As its director, Army Colonel Gregory Conti has been building the Army Cyber Institute for the past two years. But the Institute, located at West Point, is kicking into high gear this summer. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of Information Security Media Group, and I'm pleased to welcome back Colonel Conti. Welcome, Greg. Hi, uh, Eric. Thanks a lot for this opportunity. Really uh, pleased to be here. You don't want to call the Army Cyber Institute a think tank, despite it having a lot of characteristics of a think tank. Why not? The phrase think tank implies that everybody sits around smoking pipes, thinking scholarly thoughts, and putting out the occasional research paper. We're trying to do something more than that. We're trying to go out there and, and uh, make a difference, and help protect and improve the uh, cybersecurity of, uh, of the Army, of the Department of Defense, and the government, as well as the nation at large. What exactly is the Army Cyber Institute, and what are its goals? The Army Cyber Institute was a concept two years ago. It was to create a, a new, innovative, agile organization within the Army, but connected to to the government and various communities are really essential to making our country and individual people, really, around the world safe in cyberspace. It has four main focus areas to outreach, to connect with the right people, to help build a bench of experts inside the, the center, inside the Institute, to be able to advise and uh, to conduct research to help collaboratively solve problems. Also, as education is a key component of this, to uh, help either conduct education ourselves or uh, inform the educational programs. Your community is wider than the Army. Yes, yes. When I think about the critical national threat facing uh, our country today, and really not just our United States, I mean, it's countries around the world, we're very much dependent on technology. That's what kind of keeps me awake at night, you know, how dependent we are on technology. And, and it's hard enough to keep working without an adversary trying to disrupt it, either to exploit it, gather information, or just destroy it altogether. When I think about what's going to take to solve this, no one government entity, no one government can solve this. It, to me, it's truly a team sport, and we're trying to build a, an interdisciplinary team here that can help provide a catalyst for, for real solutions. Now, this interdisciplinary team, it goes far beyond people who have a, just pure cyber or cybersecurity expertise or technology. You're talking about having people understand behavior, lawyers. So why don't you explain some of this multidisciplinary approach that the Institute is taking? I consider myself a technologist at heart, a computer scientist, and I want to reach for my software hammer to fix problems, to code, to fix things in code. And then I have friends who are in the legal community, they, they reach for law or policy community, they reach for policy. Ultimately, to get at real solutions, I think it's going to be a combination of many disciplines, including technology, policy, and law, which are the usual suspects. For example, ethics, right? Privacy, civil liberties, computer ethics have been, proven themselves to be very important. So what's the, the right information? That, what should we be teaching people about cyberspace, cyber operations, and computer security in terms of ethics? Obviously, math, crypt cryptography. I mean, it, we really did a, a nice uh, analysis of computer security slash cyber operations, cyber security, and the intersection with various disciplines. And really, we found an intersection with just about every discipline, and not just trivial, I mean meaningful, like psychology. You think of phishing resistance, right, to phishing attacks, or resistance to social engineering. In systems engineering, the idea of that an attacker will probe the perimeter of a system. 
history, that if you look back, there are people who specialize in the history of technology and the history of intelligence. There's a, a great many lessons that have been learned through the course of history that we can then apply to the present. The list, I think, just goes on and on. And what we're trying to do is bring together those diverse teams in a powerful way that's never been done before. Who's full-time on the staff and you bring in some of these experts for specific projects? What we're trying to do is reach beyond just the Army and create a, a scaffolding that other government entities would like, and, but as, as we move into the future, other organizations, private, nonprofits, would like to collaborate with, ideally in residence here, uh, remotely. I look at what the Army's provided as kind of the seed corn to, to put this together, and we're looking at having 26 people on board this summer. What we're looking to do is then expand it with collaboration. 26 sounds like a lot, but you have to actually carefully prioritize uh, the, the, who we can work with, at least initially. Uh, but over time, we want to create the type of scaffolding that others will want to play a part because they see value in what we're trying to accomplish, which is the cybersecurity of our country. You're bringing in people from different industries. I believe you're bringing people in from financial services. How would they work with your organization? That's a, a very fair question. When I think about the challenges facing our country, Adversaries are able to operate in the seams between various government organizations, or it's those seams in the government organizations and the legal authorities uh, that cause that cause problems because they're not really effectively covered. Uh, there's kind of a, a joke of Murphy's Laws of Combat that says that uh, any battle will uh, occur on the seam between two maps. <laughs> Going back to like, there's usually that's where you had your duct tape covering the terrain, so you, you're effectively blind. What we're trying to do now is to get a build a critical mass, build the relationships. We're focusing specifically on New York City because of its proximity to West Point and the, the financial sector in, in particular in academia and government in the New York area because in many ways it mirrors the, the critical infrastructure that is at risk for the rest of the country as well and really the rest of the world. So initially we're participating in various uh, in industry events and bringing folks here to do the same. Uh, we're doing an analysis of the problems because many of the problems we share are mutual problems. They aren't specific to the government. They're pain points that are common both in industry and uh, really across the spectrum. There are limits on what the role of the Army is in protecting cyberspace and, and, and what the role of government is in protecting cyberspace and understanding what the role of private industry is in protecting cyberspace. The law is unsettled in those areas, and we need to help define what the boundaries are, the participant in that discussion. Understanding boundaries is critical. With boundaries come the ability to assign responsibility and, and authority to, to take pr protective measures or potentially offensive or you know, defensive measures. In classical army doctrine, a commander on the battlefield has rules of engagement and the law of war, which is very well understood, defining what they're allowed to do. On the map, they have a unit sector that's clearly drawn out, telling them what they're responsible for. They have a great deal of authority inside their unit sector. If they go outside of that, they coordinate left and right and up and down to make sure that they're operating in sync with everyone around them. Now what we have, however, is this physical plane and I tend to think of it in terms of there's a parallel plane of cyberspace. If you think of your office or a government building or a building in private industry, an office building, it has a presence in cyberspace. It quickly becomes global. So defining those boundaries of who's responsible where I think is critically important, but it's not easy. Is this an issue that you'll be looking at? Yes, I, I think so. I mean, what we've been starting to look at is there are many time-tested techniques from classic military doctrine on how to fight 
and win in various battles and various engagements, long-term and short-term military doctrine. What can we pull what, from that really deep well of information? What can we pull from that and apply to cyberspace? So that's one of the places we're starting. And one of the natural intersections is the idea of terrain, the terrain analysis of, of a battlefield, what identifying terrain, for example, a bridge maybe over a river, may be key to winning uh, a battle for either side, and applying that then to the cyberspace realm. In fact, one of my colleagues now is, uh, is presenting some work to the NATO Center in Estonia, presenting some work on key terrain in cyberspace. You mentioned earlier that you're ramping up this summer, so what can we expect from the Institute in the coming year? The Army is going through some significant transformation. I believe, in my personal opinion, in terms of how we operate in cyberspace and how we organize to defend ourselves and perform a wide spectrum of activities in cyberspace. So there's an ongoing effort there. So we're somewhat looking internal and, and helping inform how the Army organizes for the next steps that it's on, including how does it create a career path for leaders and, and participants in, in the specialty area. Historically, there has not been a, a dedicated career path for people who really did these type of activities. Now we're in the middle of trying to figure out how to create one, what it would look like, and we're taking an active role in that. Another part of our outreach activities is to get out and we start engaging other, uh, both in industry, academia, government, other thought leaders, or others that are deeply invested in, in the protection of their networks, to then perhaps find opportunities for internships for military personnel to work in, in various uh, places in industry. We've in the past at West Point grown people that specialized in this, but more in an ad hoc process. They would show up and they'd be interested and we'd feed them during their four-year cadet career, but a very ad hoc fashion. And the end result was positive, but it wasn't deliberate. It wasn't something you could scale up. So we're, we're formalizing that to a very deliberate process called the Cyber Leader Development Program that then will allow us to ideally even recruit people here at West Point, put them through a deliberate four-year program that complements their uh, classroom experiences with a, a wide range of outside-the-classroom activities, and then graduates them as second lieutenants holding a bachelor's degree into the cyber forces. A few years ago, you covered a paper discussing the potential of a separate branch equal to the Army and Navy and Air Force in cyber. But some of the same challenges you raised in that paper are presented now, such as what you just made reference to in, in a way to train people. So how do you see the armed services evolving as cyber being an important component of the military? Well, I think there's widespread recognition of the importance of cybersecurity and cyber operations, both as a threat in terms of if we're not properly secure, then it can be exploited by our adversaries. There's an understanding uh, of the utility of just information technology in general and how powerful an enabler it is to do what we do. And then the same thing of if you think of cyber operations, offensive cyber operations, clearly there's great potential there. The larger picture then is there's widespread recognition, and I see a, a, a tremendous amount of momentum, really. When I first wrote the paper, I wasn't entirely optimistic because I knew a great deal of cultural change would be required to help uh, make this happen. That paper predates U.S. Cyber Command and Army Cyber Command. But now that we have champions in the force that get it, that understand the problems, and it's backed up by the real world, the headlines every day, a lot of the requisite cultural change that's required is, is taking place. Is it perfect? Is it messy sometimes? Absolutely. But are we heading in the right direction? Yes, and I'd say pretty aggressively. 
when you say heading in the right direction, are you talking about a separate military branch, or, or are you talking about just some major restructuring of, of how the armed forces approach a cyber? I see it as a general trajectory, that there are things that need to occur to help to prepare the military to operate in cyberspace. And pretty significant movements taking place. So the birth of Army Cyber Command, the birth of U.S. Cyber Command, the uh, idea of a the cyber mission forces that you may have uh, read about in the newspaper, creating dedicated teams, the people looking at the idea of creating a cyber branch inside the Army, so as a peer to infantry and armor and signal uh, to create a, a specialist career field for people in this area. So I think that's all very uh, substantial. Will one day uh, a new service emerge? In the back of my mind, I feel like it will, but that's my own personal opinion, and that's probably a point in the future 20 years from now, and may only occur perhaps after a major, almost catastrophic cyber events would occur. That's the type of trigger that historically taken something like that to create a new organization of that magnitude. But I really see us on a trajectory where I think we're doing all the right things right now, and that may very well be sufficient short of creating a new service. It might not be necessary. That's something you'll be looking at at the Institute. Yes. Well, thanks, Gregory. Oh, my pleasure. I've been speaking to Gregory Conte of the Army Cyber Institute for Information Security Media Group. I'm Eric Chabro. Thanks for listening.